Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone and welcome to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. Let's get started. Hi everyone, I am your host Tia Hama and today I am joined by Darcy Marie Bowles, a future of work thought leader, culture architect and remote experience designer. In today's episode, we are talking about maintaining a work-life balance while working remotely. Let's get started. Hi Darcy, how are you? Hi Tia, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. It's just so nice to have you on the show. Uh, Whereabouts are you joining us from? Yeah, so I'm joining you from Encinitas, California. It's part of um, North County, San Diego. Um, so nice. Southern California. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Is it, it's cold over there at the moment, yeah. I mean, it's cold <laughs> to our like beach okay. standards, yes. But oh, where I'm from okay. up north, like this right. is heaven. It's sunny and okay. oh, yeah. Oh, so good, oh, so <laughs> nice. It's like, it's supposed to be warmer here at the moment, but it was freezing this morning but I think it's supposed to warm up a little bit during the day I don't know Melbourne Australia is like the really weird state where like our weather doesn't really like match what's supposed to be going on um so we're currently in this like weird transition period where we're like going out of summer and it's just like the weather is it's freezing but it's also like hot during the day anyway moving on (laughs) (laughs) 100 sweaters and just figure out like five outfits for every day yeah exactly it's all about light layers you'll hear melbourne people talk about light layers it's about light layers um (laughs) but thank you so much for being here now your profession is quite multifaceted. It's very interesting. So for those who don't know you, do you mind explaining uh, who you are and what it is you do? Yeah, absolutely. So as um, Tia mentioned, and I'm so happy to be here, I'm Darcy. Um, I am now a remote work consultant. So you may have heard her say that I'm a culture architect and a remote first experience work designer. So I actually led remote teams from about 2016 till 2000, beginning of 2022. So pre-pandemic, just kind of observing you know, behavior, what does the culture look like if you're fully remote? So I was head Mm. of employee experience. I also come from hospitality background, and I've also been a director of culture at a fully remote company without any offices whatsoever of about 300 people. So I know (laughs) pandemic hits, it's a lot and pandemic hits and everyone's saying, Oh, that job that you had that I used to make fun of you for because I thought it wasn't real. Like help. How do you, how do we do this now? Now We can see that it was successful. (laughs) So that's kind of how I made the transition to going out on my own. And now I help companies really figure out what is the new world of work? How do they work well with their culture? And really, Mm. again, how do they help employees with productivity and work-life balance and really that kind of 
modeling of leadership and, and what does it mean to work in a new world? Wow. That's so interesting. When I looked you up, um, like before the show and I saw culture architect and I don't know, I just read it as like actual architect. In terms Most of, and people I was do. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm don't have the right guest. I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, I'm so confused. <laughs> I was like, who are we having? Um, but culture architect, did you like come up with that yourself? Or is this like an actual job title, like, like a professional title that you've been given? It's actual job title that I've been given, but I would wow. say it's definitely a newer job title. Um, yeah, it's, I've it's, never heard it. Yeah. Oh, cool. When you think about culture architecture, you think, right, if you have a global company and you have people from France and Germany and Japan and the US all on the same team, well, they all have different cultures. And yeah really architecting the culture that they will experience within their experience as coworkers with one another can be strategically architected on shared values. Yeah, wow. So that's specifically what I've done in the past in my full-time roles is, you know, codify the company's values and make sure we're hiring people who are in alignment with those shared values. Yeah. That is so cool. So would you say you're like different or kind of like similar to sort of like what people would perceive as HR? Different, but okay. I think I think people would probably still perceive me as HR now. But right. I would I would <laughs> encourage to uncouple those two things, and and I think HR as well is really going in through a rebrand into people experience and work yeah. experience. So yeah. I'd, I'd put myself in that category. Wow, that's so interesting. So how did you? become a culture architect because that is something like obviously post pandemic it's a lot more common to kind of like talk to people who are interested in this kind of area and have this area of expertise but you're talking like 2016 when this was like sort of becoming a new kind of thing and people weren't really sure about it how did you like get into this field yeah i mean ever since i was a little kid like when I was five, I wanted to be a cruise. I wanted to be an activities director on a cruise ship. I just That's thought that so that cool. <laughs> was going to be the coolest job on planet yeah. earth. And in a lot of ways, it's like kind of oddly what I do now in a weird That's way. So it's cool. like, yeah. You think about a cruise ship, you've got people from all over the world. Again, they have mm. no shared culture. You've got to create experience for them to have a great time to connect with the place they're in, to connect with each other. Um, and so I oddly, looking back, feel like I really wanted to do this without knowing what it looked like at this age. Um, but I got, I really started working, you know, kind of full time in culture specifically. I worked at Airbnb for about four years. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Cool. So when Airbnb was pretty small actually, and yeah. I was very lucky to get to travel the world and experience a lot of different cultures and understand that like shared understanding and what does that experience look like? Mm. And, you know, it was about 2017 and, um, at the time remote work wasn't really a thing. Yeah, globally. it really wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Was the only thing. And I just am not a city person and, you know, at no fault to the company I was working for, it just remote work wasn't really allowed or supported at the time. It, it just, they didn't have the infrastructure for it. And mm. so I kind of said to myself, like, I bet you I could do what I love with a bunch of people who don't care about having an office and who want to do solve hard, hard problems with smart people. Yeah. And I found this like, sales tax company, which sounds so bizarre because I am like <laughs> not a numbers gal. Yeah, no, and they, but they, what, they didn't, weren't just solving sales tax problems. They were like, guess what? We're going to solve one of the hardest problems in the world and we don't want to have an office and we want somebody to come in 
and look at this experience and help people connect from all different parts of the world and the country and how do you create this like momentum and team camaraderie without having a physical office space? And I was like, oh my God, dream job, hire me, please. (laughs) Um, And so that was really the start of like the journey in remote. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's so interesting. In like your experience, because obviously you kind of got into this before it was like, you know, like the hot buzzword. Um, <laughs> did, do you find like there were certain like cultures in other areas of the world who were kind of doing this before it sort of like caught on in like Western media? I wouldn't say on a super broad scale that I'm aware of. And it might okay. not be that I might not be aware of it. I do. Ireland has actually had a very, very strong partnership with the government to help regenerate and bring rural, um, regenerate rural communities by bringing work back from the cities, back to rural communities. And there's been yeah. a lot, even pre-pandemic, um, there was a lot of talk and kind of, repurposing an economic development of smaller islands that have lost a lot of population because people were Mm. having to move to the cities. Like the island of Madeira has a digital nomads community, the Canary Islands. So there was this happening on kind of a more economic development scale, but I wouldn't necessarily say like that I was aware of, of a more like, this is just a socially acceptable thing of how we're just going to hire and work now. Yeah that makes sense yeah yeah okay oh that's so interesting well thank you for answering all those questions we're going to do uh, get to know the guests now so this is essentially where I'm going to ask Darcy some you know more probing questions about her personal interests so my first question is um what is a recent book you've read oh a recent book I've read are you a reader like do you do you I like am reading? a reader you, okay okay <laughs> I am a reader. I'm trying to think of, oh, a recent book I read that I loved was The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Okay. Interesting. What was that about? So it was really about how we gather and why it matters. And, you know, if you walk into a room and there's seven people in a small room, the intimacy of that room will be much more profound because you're, Mm. you're held within a container that's much smaller. If there's seven people in a huge room, people don't really know what to do. Right. Really thinking about like opening and closing ceremonies. So I talk about this a lot in remote work. If you have an all hands meeting. So an all company zoom meeting and you have, let's say your company's 200 people, you have 200 people's attention. Yeah. How are you designing that meeting to gather in a way that really gets you that ROI? So it was really wow. cool to take like the principles and apply it to remote work. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. I yeah. love that. That's so cool. We have like massive, like all hands meetings. Cause we are like literally what you were talking about before. We don't have like a designated office space that I'm aware of, but we've got like hundreds of people just like all over the world. Like we are just like yes. spread just like so far. Um, and fortunately we've got like a tiny little team here in Melbourne who like does like all the podcast, um, like actual face-to-face stuff. Um, but we've got incredible people like all over the world and yet trying to hold like an all hands meeting where you've 
we've got everyone who's working on the podcast and everyone's different time zones. And it's just yeah. like, I can see how you would become very necessary. <laughs> <laughs> There's a strategy behind that. You don't just all hop on a Zoom call and like it yeah. works. Yeah, like, we, we learned yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, most people um, did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone yeah. had to do the whole trial and everything. Um, so what is a movie you would recommend? Ooh, I would recommend the movie Big Fish to anybody. It's a Tim Burton oh, movie. Is that the one with <laughs> Ewan McGregor? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I've like, I've seen it sort of like on the sidelines, but I've never actually watched it in full. You, you like it? You recommend it? I love that movie. I think it reignites okay. the magic in life and just about oh, seeing what? things in a lens that might just be a little more sparkly than normal. That's so nice. That's what we want. We want, <laughs> I've heard like two people use this word this morning already. People were like, um, I was listening to a podcast and one of the girls was like, oh, he doesn't make me feel like sparkly. And I'm like, I love this word. <laughs> and then like everyone's using it. And I'm like, I love that. I'm like, I want to feel sparkly. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, it's great. Okay. So my next question, um, who is your famous role model? If you have one, not everybody does. So Mine is actually Richard Branson. I'm wow. a big Richard Branson fan. I like, really admire. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. This is guts and gumption. Like I just, yeah. I appreciate it deeply. Wow. Oh, that's so great. And um, who, oh no, what is, I was going to say, who is your favorite podcast? <laughs> what is your favorite podcast? Oh, man, this one's pretty weird, but whenever I, so I'm a huge dog lover, like my parents Amazing. wouldn't get, like my parents wouldn't get me a dog when I was a kid. And I was so adamant that I was like, fine, if you're not going to get me a dog, I'm going to be a dog. And I used to like put <laughs> socks under my ears and like put a hat on no. and like demand my food on the floor. Oh yes. Gosh. I love this. That's like, next one. And, they, and they still didn't give you a dog. No, they, they did. Like, finally. Oh, they did. Oh, finally. It finally. I mean, this was like a year, it was like a year long process, <laughs> but that all to say one of my favorite podcasts is actually called, can I pet your dog? And oh, wow. It's just that all about so good. dogs and like, you know, oh the debate gosh. on, do you throw dog poop in a, in other people's garbage cans? Like, is oh, that yeah. okay? Oh, Famous yeah, right. pop one pup minutes, you know, so it's this is so my favorite, uh, just like fun, silly podcast. How do you even find out. something like that? Like, where does that come from? <laughs> I have no idea, but I'm I so glad that. I did. That's so good. Honestly, I love hearing people's podcast recommendations because we get like the most random like stuff and just people will just, because I feel like podcasts are just like such a personal thing um, yeah. because you're like, because you've got no other stimuli, like you're really just like focusing on the sound that you're receiving. So I feel like it's such like a niche, like personal area of people's lives. And they're like, oh, do I want to like, do I want to expose myself right now? And kind of, but no, I love that dog podcast that's amazing yeah. <laughs> that's incredible I wonder if they have a chicken podcast I'm a chicken person I never had a Ooh. dog growing up either so because my parents because we were always moving and just having a dog was just like so just like unreasonable but I sure. can't wait to get one like when I actually have a space where I am allowed to have a dog <laughs> and I'm just like I really want one but I want a big one which is why Cause like, if you know, if you live in an apartment in the city, having like a big dog is like really not probably not the best idea. Cause you know, like they just, 
they're just in this like tiny little space and you don't have a backyard or anything. But um, I am a chicken person at heart <laughs> because we were, I was never allowed dogs, but we had chickens and I was like, why are you getting me like a fat bird instead of a dog? But like, whatever. Sorry, I wonder, <laughs> well, to I lay you I, eggs. Well, yeah, that was what my dad's logic was. He was like, dogs cost us like thousands of dollars. He's like, I'm going to just get you like a fat bird that's going to lay eggs. And, like, that's going to feed fly. us. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now I'm like a chicken mom. I love my chickens. They're my everything. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. I'm the crazy bird lady. Anyway, um, and my final question is, what is a course you have completed? Yeah, I took a course through the, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was through the World Happiness Institute, which is a research institute in Copenhagen. And I took it on 42 courses. Um, And I took it, it really helped me actually design the remote employee experience in a way to like, of just understanding like globally what makes Mm. people happy, right? Like, and if you can understand like world happiness data and you have the liberty to design a remote workplace in a lot of different ways, right? You don't have to follow any blueprint because you're not in an office anymore. I took a lot of that data and really, really tried to apply it to the engagement and the design process of remote companies. Wow. Oh, cool. Okay. That was, yeah, that was way more like informative than I thought it was going to be. I was like, oh, cool. Happiness. But like, no, that was actually, that was really cool. Well, thank you for answering those questions. Um, So let's get down to business now. We're here to talk about work-life balance, productivity, all those gorgeous things. Um, But for our listeners, Darcy, how would you personally define productivity? For me, I really think it's answering one question. And that question is, does this support the life I'm trying to create and that I've committed to? Wow. That's really how I define it. So in terms of like your personal actions or mindsets or like both? Both personal actions and mindset. So, I mean, I would even say, you know, personal productivity. I'm like, is this thing that I'm going to do today or is my schedule today or the thing, yeah. the choices that I'm making in support of the life that I'm really working towards and, and want yeah. to create for myself. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Yeah. I've heard like so many different versions, obviously like hosting this for a couple of months. And um, yeah, I've heard so many different versions and it does come down to like such a niche thing, but it, yeah, like you said, it, it really is about you know, working towards the life that you want, the lifestyle that you need. Um, and because everyone's got their own sort of personal things that they need, like some yeah. people, you know, like not everyone's going to suit a certain type of job because of the lifestyle that you need. And I think that's something that um, I've learned slowly is like, well, I have to get the job to fit the lifestyle, not the other way around. Um, but what do you think people get wrong when it comes to personal productivity? I mean, I think I get it wrong as well. I think that we all fall into habits of what we think is productivity or what productivity means or what yeah. our society told us what productivity is. Like, mm. I'll catch myself sometimes being like, I didn't do enough today. Like, oh my gosh. And then oh gosh, I'll like, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll yeah. look down. And one of my favorite exercises is at the end of the day, write three things that you're proud of, or three things mm. that you did today. And I'll write them down. And I'm like, oh wow. Like, I actually like went to yoga and I took my dog on a long walk and like I made a really healthy meal for myself. Like, mm. 
how is that not being productive? And so sometimes it's just about the reflection. So I think that people get stuck in that space of, is my personal productivity really what I want? Or is my personal productivity kind of what I, what I think others, what I think I should be Mm. doing? Yeah, no, I totally get that. That was literally like the process that I went through yesterday. Like I woke up, uh, pretty early, I guess, <laughs> but I was going to say late, but I was like, oh, I'm going to be honest here. Um, but I wake up, yeah, like re- at a reasonable hour and I had like this big plan. And I was like, okay, like I've got to get work done today. And because obviously I work remotely and I was like, I've got to get work done. I'm going to do some washing. I'm going to clean the house because I've got like some girls coming over today because it's Valentine's Day today. Happy Valentine's Day. Well, it is in Australia. I think it's tomorrow oh, it's Valentine's for Day guys. tomorrow yeah. for us. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, I got to clean the house. I've got to do this. And I've got to, you know, send this off and blah, blah, blah. And it got to like 1230 or like one o'clock. And I had just been like on the phone to my best friend, like all morning, just like, just just like gossiping about like stuff yeah. that was like happening to one of our friends. Um, and I was just like, oh, it was like such a waste of time. And then I was like rushing to do stuff. Cause I was like, I feel like I need to, to do something. Then I was like, you know what? I was like, I am on a holiday. Like I don't have to do anything. Like I can be productive by just like taking a moment to just relax and just not do anything. I was like, that's still productive because I'm helping myself. And talk to your relax. best friend that yeah, like exactly. might fill your cup and make you in a better mood and make you happier and then more energized. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like I totally just like took for granted that. Yeah. Like the fact that I was like, oh, I got to talk to my best friend for a couple hours because she's currently in, um, she's currently in England. So she's in like a completely got different it. time zone. So I only get her for like a certain amount of time, like during the day. So I'm like, I must like soak up um, as much <laughs> as I can. But yeah, it's like, it's, being able to take that downtime and accept that not doing anything is also productive. Um, So in saying all of that about productivity and all those kinds of things, how would you define remote work or working from home? It really depends on who you are and what type of work you're doing. And I think that's really important to distinguish because I've I have consulted in multiple different organizations and I would say those organizations all, all define working remotely in very different ways. So I've worked Mm -hmm. in organizations where, you know, they're working remotely, but they've actually just repeated exactly what they were doing in the office because they went remote because of the pandemic. So they're really working from home. Most places. And then there are (laughs) most places, right? And then there's, there's remote organizations who have decided, okay, we're actually going to intentionally work remote first, regardless of time zone, which I would really define remote work as asynchronous first communication, meaning you don't need to be online at the same time as your coworkers or the P or your vendors or your clients or the people that you work with. And Mm -hmm. you're able to have a documentation first culture. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so I, like, I just use remote work and like work from home interchangeably, but for you, is there like a difference in terms of what those things mean? Because you mentioned before, like some of the offices just literally took like the exact same, you know, blueprint that they had in the office yeah. and just like shoved it in someone's home office. Would you say like for you personally, what you found, is there a difference between remote work and working from home? Absolutely. I think there's a very, very stark difference. And I okay. think so. Yeah. Like a lot of my peers who I worked remotely with pre pandemic, 
A lot of us would say to people, I'm so sorry you have to experience remote work in this way, like working from home, because Mm. it can actually be so much better than just repeating the office. It's just so many companies are just stuck in this fight or flight reactionary remote versus intentional. How do we design this to really truly be remote first in a Mm. way where really you can support a global workforce. That's so interesting. I never thought about that because when I was working, I I wasn't in this job during COVID. I got this job after COVID because I specifically left my other job because I did not enjoy how they handled the remote work situation because it really wasn't it wasn't, like you said, remote work that had been tailored to be able to function productively, like productively from a home sort of basis. It was just like we took everything that like literally the exact same thing right. that we did in the office and like shoved it into my tiny bedroom in my like apartment that I was sharing with like two other people at the time. Um, and it was just such a nightmare. And I never, at no point did I think about, okay, like how can we maybe like change this and tailor this so that it works in the space that we have with the people that we have um and like the kind of work that we have to do um but now you know I work remotely in this job and it's much nicer and we've got a bit more of a tailored kind of understanding of what that means but some offices just really are struggling to understand that things need to function differently yeah and if you Notice like I have in my title strategically not workplace experience design, but work experience design. Like what is the experience that people are having now that they're not in the office and how Mm. do we map that experience? And every moment somebody onboards into a remote company, that's really scary. They're not meeting these people. They don't understand what behaviors are accepted or what behaviors might not be accepted. And so really thinking intentionally about how to design or redesign this entire work experience yeah. with the container of the office removed is something I'm super passionate about. Yeah, definitely. And I think we we need people like you who are passionate <laughs> about it to learn about it because the rest of us are just like running around like headless chickens. So um, in saying that, ever since the pandemic, and obviously you were thankfully in this field, you know, pre-pandemic, um, but you know, ever since the pandemic and post-pandemic, you know, remote work, working from home, it's like the buzzword um, and has now become like a preferred sort of demand from employees. Why do you think that is? And do you believe that remote work is like here to stay? Like we're never going to sort of revert back to the reactionary, you know, nine to five commute every day. Yeah. Um, I definitely believe it's here to stay. And to kind of answer your first question, why do I think people are kind of so enamored with it? Yeah. Autonomy. Our three psychological human needs to really feel motivation and, and well-being, and this is based on a psychological theory by Ryan and Decky that's over 40 years studied, mm. is if you have autonomy, belonging, yeah. and competency in your life, you'll be motivated to really do anything intrinsically. And so we're really seeing that with people saying, wait a second, I now have autonomy over my schedule. I have autonomy Mm. over the choices that I make to spend with my family or how I spend my time that isn't required of me to provide the results that need to get done for whatever job agreement I've made. I think really that's what's been triggered in 
people emotionally is that autonomy is now possible where autonomy mm-hmm. wasn't possible before. And like you said earlier, you know, designing your life around your work versus your work around your life. Now this has switched. And mm-hmm. I think that's why people are so passionate about it. That's why I'm so passionate about it. And that's the story I've heard from countless and countless of pe- countless people. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel like um, officers or employees are like, uh, do you think they're realizing this themselves or do you think they're having to be pushed? Because from what I've heard, like a lot of um, people that I talk to who are looking for jobs, they're like, oh, I'm like looking for a job where like I'm able to do this and have this working from home schedule and all this kind of thing. Do you think offices um, and like employees are seeing the benefits and changing it themselves or do you think they're doing it because of like the push because the people are like, no, we want to be able to work from home? Do I think that the do I think that the leaders are just making the decisions because the employees are pushing for it? Or do you think they're sort of coming up with it by themselves? I think it's a mix of both. I think that there's a very, very realistic, there's a very realistic space that we're in from, I don't want to label it being generational, but I mean, I'm, I'm a millennial and I grew up online, right? Like mostly not like I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 18, but like, yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) But I also knew that you could have relationships online. Like my friends would AIM, like we had America online and we'd like instant message each other. And I think there's, there's a, there's a belief system that there's a huge generation right now that's saying, we actually can have relationships online. We can get stuff on done, done online. We've seen the, an experience that it's possible. Mm. And then you have sort of this gap of not all individuals. I've, I've definitely met people from older generations who do distinctly believe in this, but I think a lot of people on these boards are saying it can't work just because they haven't experienced it before. Yeah. And that said, it's also a lot of work to redesign the work experience. And so if you want to keep the lights on as a company and don't have that super strong drive to like basically re-architect your work experience, then I get it. Like, so I think it's, it's sort of all over the place for sure. I mean, but I think companies are now being forced to redesign because the best talent is going to go to the places that have chosen to redesign for the future of work and for flexibility. Oh, 100%. And the reason that I asked that question is because I've heard a lot about this fear coming from, you know, companies that are very office-based. Like you come in, you do the work, you're there nine to five, and then you make the commute home. And there's this kind of I'm not sure if it's maybe a misconception, Um, that's sort of what I want your opinion on, is people think that working from home is going to be less productive and people are going to get less done, it's not benefiting the company, people are less committed to their work, those kinds of things. Are you seeing that in your work in terms of are people more or less productive when they're working from home? I think it's completely, if people are less productive working from home, that's coming from two things. It's coming from lack of trust within the organization with their managers and kind of that, Mm -hmm. that mutual value relationship. It's also coming from, I would say if the company isn't set up to work well remotely. And I think one of the things I really see companies who have gone reactionary remote struggle with is 
They don't have documentation culture. And so people are spending 75% of their days searching for information. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, sure. Maybe they aren't as productive, but I don't think it's necessarily at the fault of the individual. It's actually because the environment wasn't designed for people mm. to be more productive. And then I yeah. would also follow up with, has the company integrated a results driven strategy and are people being measured on results? Or are they ma- being measured on butts and seats? Cause those are yeah. also two different things. Yeah, no, definitely. So what are the main, what would you say are the main benefits of working from home or remote work? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say from working remotely, it's really going to vary from person to person and I'll share my benefits. You know, my fiance and I are both, he's a freelance cinematographer. I work remotely. We really care about traveling. We love to surf. We like to live by the beach. Like our quality of life, we eat mm. pretty much only out of our garden because we have the time to tend to oh it. Oh my gosh, so cool. Yeah. And I was never, I used to fly 10 days a month to San Francisco for my job. And wow. like my health deteriorated. Yeah. I mean, I was overweight. I had, was in debt. And I think for me, it just, again, that autonomy really gave me the control over my life. And that's not mm. to say I don't agree with offices, but really remote, the benefits I've seen, I've seen from individuals who are religious and maybe can't work past a certain hour or on certain days um, because of their religion. And they're able to now design around that Mm. for people with disabilities. You know, this has opened up an incredible new world for folks with disabilities, neurodiversity. Mm. And I just think that there are so many benefits to a, a better world. If we have that autonomy, if we have that autonomy to be in our own live in communities that are in alignment with our values, yeah. I think is really one of the most powerful things long-term we're going to see from, from mm. kind of the remote work rev- revolution. Yeah, definitely. And I think that autonomy has just like, it's hit so many people like, oh, I can now kind of like choose you know, when I can work and how I can work. And suddenly you've got this, like, you know, the work-life balance that we've heard about for so long, but has never really been like a reality. Like, you know, before like the work-life balance was like, oh, you know, daylight saving, you get to go home and like have some (laughs) like daylight um, before it gets dark and, you know, spend time with your family, which is what, I don't know if they have that over there. Do you guys have like daylight saving where your like clocks get, go back? Okay. We've been voting against it in California for so long. So we want that extra hour of surfing apparently yeah. it passed but it, like still hasn't gone into <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah we've had it we have it like it's pretty much all down like the east coast of australia except queensland which like right. refuses to which is like totally makes sense it's just it makes complete sense because like my family live in queensland and i live here and it's just like the one hour i'm just like this is just stupid but like that's what people were like searching for it was like oh work-life balance you know here's your extra hour of sunlight and enjoy it but now it means so much more and i think that autonomy is just something that yeah everyone's kind of like oh like i can I can like value my own autonomy now. So because remote work um, is mostly, you know, at home, obviously people can do like the shared office space or, you know, you can work from the library or that kind of thing, but it can be quite difficult to make work life distinct from home life. What would you say are some tips that you have to tackle this to achieve that work life balance? 
It's a really good question. And it's something I've struggled with over the years. So right now I'm actually working from a Murphy desk. So if you don't know what that is, is there, no. it's like a desk <laughs> that pulls out of the wall. So if you've ever seen a bed Whoa. that pulls out of the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a desk okay. that pulls out of the cool. wall. So we live in about a 600 square foot um, little beach shack. It's really small. It's a one bedroom. And so we don't have an extra office in here. And so yep. my fiance built me this desk so that when I'm done on my computer, I actually, I, I physically have a ritual where I put it up. And so it's oh, almost like so closing good. a door. And yeah. so that's a really something I'd recommend if you don't have a large space where mm. you can close a door is really thinking about what is the ritual you can do to kind of like, maybe it's even putting on a, a certain jacket that you sit down at your computer yep. with just like <laughs> kind of putting on like a different archetype and being like, okay, I'm going to dive into this and sort of mm. create a little bit of boundary there. That's one I would really recommend. Um, another one I think is really supportive is time blocking. So I yeah theme my days. So oh my three gosh, days me too. Yeah, I love it. It's I like it means, anyone else do this. It's so great. <laughs> it's so good. Like it has helped me really create a container for what needs to get done on those days. And it's, yeah. it's not that that's not flexible, but it gives me an area of yeah. focus. Yeah. So those are two really practical tips I would say are super supportive when kind of entering this new remote work era. I would also offer it took me two years psychologically to mm. allow myself to go on a bike ride in the middle of the day when I first started oh, working wow. remotely. I was without like, like guilt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, without guilt. And so I would challenge people to like, go see a matinee movie or like <laughs> do something scary, scary like yeah. once a month and just watch how your body reacts to it. Like, does mm. it work for you? Does it not? it's an experiment. It's fine if it doesn't work, but you like this process, at least for me over the last like eight years has really been about trial and error with what works for me and my energy levels. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. Just like the guilt that you feel. And I think that's probably, yeah, it's so wild. And I found this during the pandemic was just like, I was, staying, you know, staying back, quote unquote, later than I usually would. I felt guilty, like when I wasn't working or like if I had a day off during the week and like I was still at home, it just felt really weird because I was like, oh, I feel like I should be working. Like I'm here, my laptop's there and like my colleagues are working, but I'm not working. And it's just such an odd guilt that you kind of like, you you can overcome if that's, if it's something that you want to kind of like overcome do you find that um people have been like more prone to feeling this guilt in terms of like overworking and like doing extra hours and like feeling like they have to make up for the fact that they're not going into the office absolutely i think it's one of the things most high performers struggle with um mm. it's something i hear from pretty much every new full-time remote employee, if they haven't worked like fully remotely before, they say, how do you, how do you do this? Like, how do you structure your day? And they really want to see yeah. like a leader model it for them. And so that's something I've seen be really powerful in organizations is leaders really having to say like, pre-prevent burnout by like sharing their own schedule and sharing how they take time off really kind of unlocks that permission piece of like that self-permission. Yeah. And I think it also comes with practice and yeah, you, 
it's really, really about knowing yourself and just knowing the work is going to be there. Like it's not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. It's really not going anywhere. Definitely. And I think you've made a really interesting point there in terms of leaders showing how to take time off and what that looks like and what it should look like and what it should feel like, because you don't see that. And like, do you think like it's, more beneficial for people to see their leaders take time off or should we keep that perception that like you know our leaders are these like people who are just like working and that like work is just like their whole life oh god no no our leaders should be (laughs) our leaders should be leading us and from in my in my personal opinion yeah I'm all in remote work because I believe that the world can be a better place and remote work is just a vessel to get get us there. And I think that it's going to really take for this cultural change is leaders stepping up and saying like burnout culture and hustle culture isn't healthy. And like here's – it's going to take a lot of leaders learning to manage their own psychology and go through this guilt process because Mm. it's – you know, it's not something just individual contributors feel. Leaders feel yeah. it too. And I really think letting down that guard of leaders saying, I am authentic. I am a real human being. Let me show you how I'm going to give you permission by giving myself permission to take care of myself yeah. is going to create really a healthier workforce. Mm, yeah, definitely. And more productive workforce, frankly. Yeah, exactly. And I think like the reason that I asked that kind of like bit of a devil's advocate question was because like we have this and I don't know if it's just like in some of the fields that I've worked in because I haven't always worked in media. I worked in very much more sort of like corporate. No, I'm not going to say, but I'm not going to say where I worked, Um, but I worked in I worked in law. And so it was very like much more kind of corporate. And you were supposed to I don't know if you were supposed to, but it was just like this like they wanted you to have this perception that like the partners of the firm or like your like you know just in more general terms your boss was supposed to be this person who looked like they were always on their game like they were never supposed to show like any kind of fault because you were supposed to be able to like live up to these expectations it was supposed to push you further like all this kind of stuff but it just made them kind of like not like very in like non-human it was just it makes it unaccessible right yeah and like it's a really in my opinion it's a really old school mentality and I was talking to a lawyer the other day who just joined a fully remote organization and I was like how are things going like how are you doing how's your transition from like legal firms and that kind of culture because it's very consistent and even this in the states Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to work remotely. I can't believe I'm not wearing a suit today. He was like in his, he was like in his like mid forties. Like he he was just like, this little kid was like, his eyes were so bright open. And I was like, cool. Well, welcome to the future of work. I'm super happy that you're not in a suit today. (laughs) It was was really, it's really fascinating watching Mm. just individuals journeys just based on the background and corporate cultures they've been in because it's all they know. And so being able to see a future that might look different is just scary. It's unknown. Oh yeah, totally. I had that when I came to this job, like 
it was such a culture shock. Like I just was not, I was just like, this is so weird. Like I was so used to yeah, like wearing, you know, suit and tie, well, not me, but like, you know, blouse and like yeah. skirt and like heels. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, you sit at a desk and you've got like, you know, I was in like the bullpen because that's where like, well, you know, the little baby lawyers and stuff are. And, you know, you sit there and even if you're not doing anything, it's like the fact that you, you know, sitting there and like, you know, you can't have headphones nobody speaks like it's silent and then you go home you make your trek home and like the squeeze like carriage on like the train and so when I came to this job and like everyone was so nice and we met up and I think we had like pizza or something for lunch and we had like tacos and we just like sat outside and I was just like this is so weird because I was just like this is so odd and suddenly I could for my own schedule like I could go and see my family because my family live interstate and after the pandemic, like I wasn't able to see them for like a year and then like another year after that. So it was like two years where I really wasn't yeah. able to see them. And I've got two little brothers. So I was like, I want to be able to have access to my family. And so when I got this new job, like I was like, oh, you know, like I know that we have the studio in Melbourne, but I want to be able to see my family. And they were like, yeah, sure. Like go, like go for it. It's cool. Like whatever, like, well, you know, yeah. we'll do the remote recording. And I was like, really? <laughs> Like is that what? I can do it. Yeah, really. Yeah, literally. I was just like, is that? Yeah. Like, is that okay? Like, are are you sure I can? Like, I can go like away for for like two weeks and go see them. They're like, yeah. They're like, go, go, go see your family. And I was like, this is so weird. But like, it's been so good, and like, I couldn't be more grateful for the fact because like, obviously, not everyone has that choice. Like, not everyone gets. Not everyone's job is able to be something where they're able to like work from home. Like, you know, if you're in um, construction or hospitality. Manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm so like, it's such a blessing to be able to do this. And I, I, I like completely relate to that guy with just like, you know, the big white eyes just being like, is this what it's like? (laughs) Yeah. Is this what it's like to have a life? (laughs) It's like so good. So Um, So my last question is related to travel and I want to know like have you found that because of this working from home people are more reluctant to step out of the house for work-related things because I think like what I've seen from a lot of friends is that now suddenly people are like oh well I don't have to leave the house like if I don't want to do you have you found that there's like there is sort of like a little there is a bit of a toxic thing that can sometimes come with working from home and that remote work and just sort of being like a bit of a bit of a hermit yeah and I think it's I I have seen that and I think it's also dependent on the culture of the company and just like we were talking about about kind of the and I'm sorry to dog on the legal space so (laughs) bad today but like (laughs) you think about it right if you associate office with not having autonomy and with having restrictions, anything that is associated to that, that hasn't been redesigned is still going to be a, a, is still, you're still going to have that association. And so I work with a lot of companies right now of like, okay, if you still have offices where people come to, but they're not required, let's start calling them hubs or like a co-work space. So people start decoupling that trauma Mm, from the office. No, I'm serious. Like people have really serious work trauma. It's like, Oh yeah. Fucked up. And like, (laughs) yeah, it is. (laughs) is I'm I'm with you there. Yeah. It's scary. 
And so, yeah, but I do see, like, I found it to myself. I've definitely like, at least since I've started consulting, I don't leave the house as much, but I've made it a point to, I go to a co-work space twice a week. Like I literally yeah. force myself to get out and like go and work somewhere else. And so I think it again comes back to getting to know yourself, but I do see to answer your question directly, the reluctance in attending like outside our work events yeah. when people are remote. And that's just because people are in the muddy space of hybrid that will, I think we're about three to five years from that being ironed out, but people will okay, figure yeah. out what yeah. they want and they'll self-select out of cultures. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, you have to sort of take into that healthy aspect of like being able to see humans and like have that contact, because I think that's probably one of the only things where like when I started this job and we, we don't have like a, a direct office, um, I think I'm allowed to say this, <laughs> uh, but we don't have like a direct office space um, where everyone is like on a daily basis. And I was like, oh, like I, there was a part of me that missed not seeing people like face to face every day because I had some really like good work colleagues. Like I worked with my best friend at my law firm and it was just like so nice, like to turn up to work and like see him every day. And we'd just be like, Oh yeah, cool. Like, hi. Like, you know, like when we have little lunch breaks together and all that kind of stuff. So would you say like people who are working from home sort of should um, sort of make like a conscious effort of making sure that they get out to go work in like a co-working space or they set up a time to work with colleagues even if, if even oh my gosh I can't, I can't speak today <laughs> <laughs> um do you think people should make a conscious effort to make sure that they are setting up a time to go and work with other people I think it depends I think if the culture of your organization does offer you know a significant amount of synchronous Zoom kind of really deep engagement events. And mm. I'm not talking about just happy hours on on top of things. I'm talking about like yeah. utilizing your meetings to actually build true relationships to then get better work done. Yeah. Um, and I think every individual knows themselves the best. And I think that as human beings, I, I will say, you know, we know a psychological need is to feel like we belong and that we mm. have relatedness. And it's not always going to be possible for maybe somebody that's living in a super rural area to go, who works remotely, to go have a lot of social interaction. And so I think yeah. finding it, whether it's online or going out physically and finding it is going to be really important. I think it's really part of this self-actualization process that so many people are going through right now. And mm. I'm on a forever journey on, and I hope a lot of people are of just what works best for me and when do I need to have those moments of connection and then yeah. designing for how you know you're, you fill your cup best. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for answering all those questions. Yeah. We are going to go into the practice habit experiment debrief. It's a very nice long title we've got there. Um, this is essentially the part of the show where I ask Darcy what she does to um, yeah, maintain the topic at hand. So what is a practice that you do to improve productivity when you're working remotely? I just bought a timer. Um, okay. And so I, it has like an hour, like little, like, 30 minutes. Oh, yeah. Cool. It's like yeah. a little square timer. Um, yeah. It's usually in front of me. It's actually in our bedroom right now, but 
and I'll, if I'm going to dive into something, I know it's going to take like deep work. I'll turn all my notifications off and I just, I set a timer for an hour Yeah, and I don't stop that task for that hour. And that's been really, really helpful for just like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm such a due date accountability kind of gal that I'm like, okay, and this timer's (laughs) going to go off. I got to get the got to get this done or at least get (laughs) 60 minutes of work done on this one thing through that time. So that's one thing that I think has been super supportive. Oh, cool. What would you say uh, three good things about that practice? It puts a fire under my butt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I know the the pressure. Um, Anyone can do it. And it it forces me to choose what to focus on. And it forces yeah. me to choose what the most, my priorities are. Mm. Okay. Oh, interesting. And are there any challenges in, in saying that? What are some challenges that you face with this? Yeah. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Like <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some things like I really don't want to do. Like, no, it sounds terrible, but I have to get it done. And so... I think, you know, that's a big challenge, but I think again, the pressure is really helpful. And then to do those things that are really hard. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, eat the frog, like do the hardest yeah. things first in the morning. Yeah, so I never I understood to... that and, and yeah. until someone explained it to me. And I was like, why are we eating frogs? I was why like, that's so frogs? gross. <laughs> yeah. Eat frogs but first yeah. thing. So I get you. Yeah. Tr- yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> cool. And how often do you do this? Like, is this something that you find yourself doing on a daily basis or is this like a once a week where you're like, Oh, I've really put this off. Like I really need to, I really need to do this. It's normally three times a week. So as I mentioned earlier, I I categorize my days and my Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays are really my client, like heavy focus, deep work days. And so I really make it a point that Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, I'm going to make time for deep work. So I always have my timer on those days. And then I I have a lot more flexibility with myself on Wednesdays and Fridays. Okay. And how do you think this practice impacts your personal productivity? I think for me, it just, it really helps me focus. It allows me to keep myself accountable to myself and the things that I've agreed to do for others. Um, yeah. Okay. And have you combined this with like any other practice? Like, are you like, okay, I set the timer and then, you know, like I put on a certain jacket or I play a certain song or like, is there something that you've combined with this or is it just you, your laptop timer? That's it. It's usually me, my laptop timer, but right. <laughs> sometimes I'll bake in. I'm a really big proponent of breath work. Like I love doing mm, breath work and I do yeah. a lot of breath work in the morning. Um, and it's the timer is perfect for breath work. Cause I can set it for like five minutes, do breath work and like, okay, when this breath work is over, I'm going to jump straight in. Yeah. So I, again, I'm utilizing the timer, but sometimes I'll couple it with kind of a relaxing activity that is timed yeah. that just yeah. kind of gets me in more grounded into the tasks that I'm going to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I kind of do like, yeah, a similar thing in terms of having like a ritual before I like jump into something. Cause I'm, I like struggle so much to just like sit down and be like, okay, I'm going to do this for like an hour. Yeah. My, my brain's like, no, no, no. <laughs> we need like, yeah. you know, the trailers before the movie. Like let's actually like do something else first. And I've gotten into the habit of like, I will 
put on I have like a like a 70s disco playlist and I play <laughs> my 70s disco playlist and I brush my teeth and like I have one of those amazing electric toothbrushes that have like the two minute timer and so nice. it buzzes when the two minutes is up and so I've like by that point I've listened to like I don't know not even like half a disco song because those songs go for like seven minutes <laughs> like, <laughs> but like um but like you listen to a song and then like I brush my teeth and then I sit down and I put my timer on I'm like okay like I feel like I'm like in a You're good zone now yeah like I'm ready it's it's nice to have like a little a little extra just sort of like ritual just kind of tell my brain like all right once we finish brushing our teeth we are like sitting down gonna dive in actually yeah doing stuff all right so Thank you for answering those questions. We're going to go to audience questions now. So I've got one here and someone has asked, um, how can remote workers prioritize self-care and avoid burnout while working from home? Yeah, I think it's really important to set boundaries and it's obviously going to be really important. It's going to really depend on the culture that you're in. And if you're in a high hustle burnout culture, it might be time to look elsewhere with leadership that really cares about employee well-being. Mm. And I think that that's something that's a lot of people can feel really helpless because they're stuck in kind of this culture of not a lot of permission to take care of yourself. And you can self-select out of that. And I know that's not obvious. That's not always possible dependent on kind of your job or you know, the culture that you're in or what's available outside of that, especially in the market mm-hmm. right now. But in the meantime, before you feel like that could be a possibility for you, if you don't, I would say really setting boundaries, really making your mornings your own. Like don't yep. keep your phone out of your, out of your bedroom, take Slack off your phone. Like really, really utilize notifications on Slack email to your advantage. So you are not notified at the times that are for yourself. And Mm. it's going to take a lot of self-control and a lot of self-awareness and just notice what comes up for you when you feel like you might be missing something or what that FOMO feeling is and talk to your manager about it. Like these are really everyone's going through this right now. Like this is not a unique problem. And I just want you to know, like (laughs) you're not alone and like talk about solutions, co-create solutions with your team. If you have a team with your friends, start really learning what other people are doing that will give you the permission to really start finding out how you can best set boundaries. Yeah. Interesting. Well, thank you. And the next question is actually from myself. <laughs> I put in my, I was like, I'm going to put my own question here, um, which I can totally do. But the, my question was in regards to like actual, like technological devices. Do mm-hmm. you have any advice in terms of like, I use my laptop for personal work and study and sorry, work personal and study. And then my phone is also the same. Do you have any recommendations in terms of like, I can struggle, like when I'm on my laptop, my like immediate instinct is to just also check my work messages while I'm on there. Because I'm like, I get on my laptop to work or study or, you know, watch Netflix or something. But my, like my gut reaction a lot of the time can be like to check work messages. And even on my phone, like I don't, I refuse to put Slack on my phone because I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like I'm going to limit myself. But we do have um, like another, like we have like a WhatsApp, like group chat for like emergencies and stuff, which is totally fine. We don't use it very often. It's mainly my laptop that tends to be the biggest problem. Like, do you have any advice in terms of how I can... 
I know, like separate my perception of how I use my laptop, like when I'm using it for personal versus for work? I mean, I would offer the question that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast is, is what you're doing supporting the life you're trying to create for yourself, like from like a mental health perspective, or Mm. is it preventing it? Because sometimes checking those work messages isn't bad, depending on what you're energized by and what you like to do, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think you have to ask yourself like, okay, I really am not going to focus on work today or is work a harmony of part of my life? And those things are kind of intertwined. So I think it's really asking yourself and setting those boundaries for yourself. And then once you've set those boundaries, asking yourself the question, is this action that I'm about to take in support of the night I'm trying to create, the evening mm. I'm trying to create, the don't yeah. even think about the life, like break it down to the morning I'm trying to create. Yeah. And I think that that can be really supportive and like, okay, I know that if I check LinkedIn before I do my meditation, <laughs> that it's going to throw me off. So I yeah. just can't do that. Right. Like, so it's, and sometimes it's really about just really setting those boundaries and sticking to it and being okay with messing up. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I've definitely have to make like a conscious like effort and be like, no, I'm not going to check them. Like yeah. I don't. And it's not like because of any particular reason. Like I like, you know, checking it and I, and I love my job and I love my work and I'm very like blessed to be able to say that. But yeah, my instinct gut reaction is like, oh, but what yeah. if like, what if someone's messaged me and I'm like, oh no, like what have I happened? But I'm like, no, you know, it's okay. I have my like set times and I like, and we've put um on Slack now, it's like, you can um, put like what hours you are going to be working. Like even if it is like, you know, remote remote working and everyone's working at different times and all that kind of stuff, you can be like, okay, well, actually this week I'm only working like these hours, these hours on this day. And doing that has definitely like provided a bit more structure because last year was this kind of like, you know, free for all. (laughs) Just like everyone just like go for it. Um, But now it's like because you know, we've realized that we're getting a bit more busy and all this kind of stuff. And specifically, this is mainly me, but a lot of the other hosts as well, were just like, okay, we've definitely got a little more, bit more busy than we were last year. And we've all yeah. got, you know, these big life commitments and stuff now. So we're like, okay, even though we are sort of like, you know, freelancing and we're doing this kind of stuff, um, sort of off our own whim and we can define our own schedules. It's like, well, just because you're available doesn't mean you're available, if that makes sense. Right. It does. And I think that like really, really setting expectations around two things. One that you said, you know, here's when you can expect to hear from me, right? Like it's like setting an out of office message. It's just saying, okay, I work between these hours. And if I'm, I'll use an emoji if I'm away from my computer during these hours. So you'll know not to expect immediate response. And then also as a company. And so those who are out there, maybe who lead teams or are on teams to suggest this, like, strictly define how you use the tools that exist with your teams and really setting those expectations. Like one of my favorite things is called a read me. I have every new employee, if I'm working with a team, fill it out when they join. And it's like my normal hours worked, how I like to receive communication. Am I short or long winded in Slack? Like all of these very nuanced things that that. like, you just tell somebody up front a little bit about who you are and how you behave. And then they can just know what to expect from you. Yeah. 
I love that. That's so great. I'm totally going to make us do that. Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> that's good. I really love that. Um, well, thank you for answering my question and the other questions. Yes, of course. Um, so let's go into open mic now. So this is essentially the part of the show where the guests gets to talk about anything that they're passionate, doesn't have to be related to productivity. Um, so it's essentially about whatever Darcy wants to talk about. So Darcy, is there anything particular that you wanted to discuss? Well, we can talk about my life's mission. So my my life's mission is that work doesn't have to suck. And I really think that there is an intersection of hospitality and how we design remote workplaces or workplaces in general, remote or not, to really be an incredible experience where people learn from one another. They make companies money and they make money, but the, the design experience all the way from hire to retire, I just think can really take a place from sucking really hard to like being an awesome place to work. And yeah. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Interesting. Yeah. So as in, so you talking about like taking certain aspects of like the positive things from work and then putting them into like jobs like hospitality and stuff where they can't do those. Okay, wait. So yeah, I need a little clarification. That's okay. So I'm thinking about, imagine you go into a hotel, right? You're in a really nice hotel in a country you've never been to. And the concierge greets you. You're nervous. You've just gotten off a long flight. You're ready to put your head down. You want to go eat at the best restaurant. But who's there actually telling you where to go, what the norms are, and how to feel good? It's the concierge. It's the way that the lobby is designed. So I think a lot about that when it comes to onboarding in a new workplace. You've got somebody who's fresh-faced. They're new. They might not understand the culture. Like, let's create an experience for them Mm. that they immediately feel comfortable. They understand where to go for certain things. Like, you've actually thought about these moments. I think it could be because my my background is in hospitality, so my brain just thinks this way. But really about taking hospitality principles and bringing it into any environment like right okay yeah sorry yeah. I got you now <laughs> no you're good like, you're good well, yeah okay no yeah oh interesting no I really like that and I think that is something that needs to be prioritized and I think onboarding especially is just like such like you're so nervous and already like you're starting a new job and all this kind of yeah. stuff and it's just like so it's already so scary and just like if you can create a work environment where people are able to help each other people know where to go for certain things and who to ask for certain things like yeah that is that is something that needs to be prioritized because I've definitely found in certain jobs that it is not (laughs) well it's really just about anticipating an individual's needs right like it's it's anticipating and delivering what is needed before it needs to be asked for. Mm, Yeah. And that creates a sense of belonging and belonging creates a sense of engagement and companies that have engaged employees have 21% more profitability. Yeah. So this isn't just like a fluffy thing that I'm talking about. Like there's a, there's a realistic financial business case for creating that type of environment. 
Yeah, interesting. So why, like, why is this something that you're so passionate about? I think it just, it, it blends the activities coordinator of a cruise ship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it blends my love for travel and multicultural situations and experience design mm. with a way to think about creating belonging in the new world of work to retain employees and create that win-win for everybody. And I'm, yeah. I want to be part of the future. That's a win-win that, everybody gets a little bit of something, not just one group gets a lot more than others. And that's a path that I see towards that. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I've never really thought about, like I've heard, like you hear, you know, a lot about sort of like design experience, but I hear them mostly in terms of like sort of what you said, like, you know, holidays and that kind of stuff. You've got these people who, yeah, cruise ship events coordinators who like understand sort of like what needs to happen and all this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I think it's interesting in terms of especially like, yeah, just creating that environment and especially how people um, sort of like receive things and how certain messages are perceived and like certain communication skills. I think communication skills is probably something that I found makes the biggest difference in terms of, you know, like the head person not being scary to approach and like not being not being intimidated to ask questions or to make compromise and all this kind of stuff I was literally thinking about this on the train this morning and I was like if I ran a magazine like how would I want like people to feel like what would I want people to do and like how would I assign tasks and all this kind of stuff and yeah it's really interesting because because of like this whole work-life you know, shift in this remote work shift, people are looking so much more at about like the individual experience they have when they go to work and what that means. Because like, you know, like, and sort of what you said before, a lot of the older generations, I guess, who didn't, you know, have this remote work kind of opportunity. And it was just, you know, you went into the city with everyone else and you did your job and then you went home. Work was just like, you know, whether it was bad or good, it was like a non-optional and you just accepted just it thing. for being yeah. bad. Yeah. You just accepted it for for not being a good experience. But now it can, now I think people are looking so much more about like how they feel when they're in the office or like how they feel when they're, you know, working remotely, how colleagues communicate yeah. with them and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's a really important conversation because we are doing this whole like remote work thing now and it's something that is so much more important to the up and coming generation in terms of how does this, how does this job make me feel? Does it fit with my lifestyle? Like all that kind of stuff. And is it, am I going to be able to do great work within it? And I think that's so Mm. important. I I, I think that the next generation, at least I know a lot of my generation, like I don't want to just do a job anymore. I want to be in a place that's supportive, but I also want to do really meaningful, good work. Like, yeah, you know, and I think it's the true for a lot of people. And a lot of people say, oh, no one wants to work. And I don't think that's true at all. I think a lot of people want to work. They just okay, want to work totally. on things that they're passionate about that bring them meaning and they have the autonomy to do it in a way that works for them. Yeah, definitely. Do you think people should, because I've always heard like this weird kind of um, like these sayings and stuff. And I just sort of want to get your opinion in terms of, yeah. do you think people's jobs because I'm trying to like remember what it was it's like you know you should have 
a hobby that you love and just like a job that you enjoy, but they shouldn't be like your passion should not be your work. Like, you know, you should have your passion for the sideline and your work should make you happy, but it shouldn't be like your core love. Do you think people should like kind of keep these things separate or should people always like 100% be passionate about what they're doing? I think people should do whatever they want to do. And I think that that's, that that's going to be my answer for everything. If you haven't gotten this far is like in this podcast, if you can't tell, I value autonomy deeply. I, I deeply do. I'm somebody that, you know, about eight years ago, I found what I want to spend all of my time on really making work not suck. And so that kind of what I do is who I am. And I I know a lot of people that are of that same camp, but I also know people who work for the Royal Mail in England because they only work until, you know, noon every day. And then they go Mm. to their wood shop and it allows them the time and space (laughs) to do that thing. Right. So I think it's, it's again, really individual on your preference, but it just depends on where you see, seek your purpose and where you seek kind of filling that cup. For me, it's, it's what I get paid to do, but for every, it's not, that's not the same thing for everybody. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that brings us to the end of our podcast today. Thank you so much, Darcy, for being here. It's been such a pleasure. We have learned so much. It has been so much fun. I've had such a great time. (laughs) Thanks, Tia. This was awesome. It was great. And for those who want to find out a bit more about you and what you do, where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. So definitely find me on LinkedIn. Just search Darcy Marie Bowles or Darcy Bowles. Um, And then you can also contact me via my website. And that's just shiftwithdarcymarie.com. Cool. Awesome. We'll have all of Darcy's details in the description below if you guys are interested. And to our listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're on. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks. You have been listening to Work in Progress, the personal productivity science insights podcast produced by the Life Management Science Labs. Listen to episodes from LMSL's 10 Life Management Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or other podcasting apps on your smartphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel as it helps others find us and us grow to bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website at pp.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Tia Hama. Thanks for tuning in.